Welcome to week 115 of the Two Guys into Friday's podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. Happy Dorito Salad Day, Steve. Hey, happy Dorito Salad Day to you. I guess this is going to air after that, but it's recording during that. It right? is. Breaking a little bit of the fourth wall. But what, yeah, was we your, uh, what was your highlight chip this year? Oh, man. So the, there was an avocado cheese Dorito that okay. was pretty solid. It was pretty that solid. That sounds good. Yeah, it was. Um, and then there, there was one that I got at, the, at, you know, here at a gas station right close to the house. And it was just it was just the uh, like like fiery limon flavor. Mm-hmm. Great. It's good flavor. Now, when you make your Dorito salad, is it pretty easy to pick out individual flavors or is it kind of like oh, whatever it happens, happens? It depends. It de- definitely depends on what they look like. There's some that you can easily identify and there's some that, that uh, there's a large amount of them that just all look the same. All right. Did you eat your horse meat chips yet? No, no, I was saving those. I think I'm going to try to see, take those to Thanksgiving and see if the family wants to try them. But I don't, I don't know. I got a lot of leftover chips right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, hey, we're a TGIF podcast. We're not a potato chip podcast. But you want to um, talk about shrimp Doritos? Those were interesting too. Chefs can tell you everything you need to know. Um, we go back. We watch all of TGIF exactly 30 years after it aired, and these are episodes that would have aired sometime in 1991. Yeah, yeah, these would have aired November 29th, 1991. Uh, before we get into it, thanks to Abina for the theme song this week. Yeah, thanks. It was great. We appreciate it. And uh, make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIFCast. You can go to our uh, YouTube, just search Two Guys yep. in a Fridays. You can also send us an email, TGIFCast at gmail.com. Yeah, go watch those videos. There's some good ones up. Hopefully, we, we should probably look at trying to find somebody over the uh, the holiday breaks. I've been trying. I've been trying. All right, we should coordinate more and see if we can see if we can track yeah. somebody down. Um, also, before we get into the episodes, we like to see what was going on 30 years ago. And I've got a happy story and I've got a sad story, both on the same date, November 23rd, 1991. <laughs> what do you want to start with? Okay. I had a sad. So November 23rd, 1991, um, Freddie Mercury uh, confirmed that he had AIDS, announced it to the world, and then he died the next day. Did he really die the next day? Yep. I did not know that's how that happened. That is tragic. Yeah. Um, I thought I was I was gonna kind of say like, oh well, you know, he announced he had AIDS, but went on to live. I for, think I know. think everyone knew he did, but he didn't like confirm it until right. like the day before he died. Uh, kind of thing. Man, yeah, that bed. was a loss. That's yeah. a loss for sure. Uh, happy news. Uh, yeah, happy news. Macaulay Culkin became the uh, second youngest host of Saturday Night Live on uh, November twenty third, nineteen ninety one. Does it say who the first? Is it Jody Jody Foster? Is my guess? It's not Jody Foster. I do know who it is. The Tatum O'Neill. It's uh, my least favorite actress in the world. Uh, is it Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore. Yep. <laughs> but uh, interesting little fact here. Um, so Macaulay Culkin hosted, and then thirty years later, almost to the day, his brother just a couple weeks ago hosted. Uh, Kier- is it Kieran Culkin? Yep. He was in Home Alone. You know that, right? He was in Home Alone, and he was on that episode of Saturday Night Live. He was like uh, getting oh, that's fun. picked up by like Dan Aykroyd or something in the air. Does Macaulay Culkin still hold the uh, the record? Or, or I guess the the second um, second youngest record. I, I don't know. Oh no. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's beat Drew Barrymore, and that's I guess the actual record. Yeah, that's the that's more of the benchmark. So, uh, what about uh, movies and music? What was number one this week? We get any new yes. things out there? Yeah, both new. So new song is um, When a Man Loves a Woman by Michael Bolton. Everyone so, knows that. Classic, right? Everyone knows that. Now, now a couple a couple of fun fun facts here. So obviously, Michael Bolton did not originally sing When a Man Loves a Woman. It was it was Percy Sledge back in the 70s. But so that makes it. Is that the, the more recognizable one? Um, I think that there's multiple. Why am I thinking like a, a female voice in that song for some reason? Well, there's also a Bette Midler version. Okay. Um, there, there's a number of different versions of it, but. Also, Michael Bolton has a fairly high falsetto voice, um, but the it's one of it's one of seven songs in history to be uh, to make it as at the top in the top one hundred by multiple artists. Oh, that's, so that's cool. That's cool. Uh, the other fun little fact about this: it was the last Billboard one hundred number one song that relied on um, sales and airplay reports until they switched over to SoundScan, which they did. I don't know if they still even use SoundScan. Now that there's all the digital streaming yeah, yeah. and downloads, but I know they use SoundScan for 
I don't know, probably what, two decades before uh, if, if they if they don't still use it. So that's cool. What about uh, what was the biggest yeah, movie? That's cool. A classic. Everyone loves it. The Adams Family. Number oh. one movie. So that's a great film. This is the Christina Ricci one, right? Of course it is. What other one was there back then? Uh, good question. I don't have an answer for you, but uh, <laughs> just confirming to that one. Yes, it was not the cartoon one that came out like two years ago, three years ago. Or the cartoon one that came out like a couple months ago. Well, the second. I mean, it wasn't, there was the it wasn't that one. one either. Wasn't there? That was like a sequel to the yeah, to probably. the to the newer ones. So yeah, Adam Sandler. Everyone loves the Adam Sandler. I want to say Snoop Dogg again. is the so voice good. of Cousin It in the cartoon. Oh yeah, I think so. That's fun. Maybe, That's such a good cast. The original one is such a good cast. Who plays Pugsley? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, probably the. I think. Let me. I'm gonna look because he's like the only one that no one ever talks about. Uh, Jimmy Workman. Yep. He's from Fairfax. From Fairfax. Let's get him on the show. Uh, he was in Black Sheep. As good as it gets. That's about it. All right. Any birthdays? No birthdays. Nope. Nothing. He was at, Oh, he was actually. He was on Saturday Night Live as well as Pugsley Adams. Hey, probably in a couple weeks, right? Uh, I don't have the exact. I would assume day. right after the movie yeah, comes it out. It says 1991. December third. That's my guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, so let's get into it. These are the episodes that aired back in 91. Uh, this is Family Matters Season 3, Episode 11. The name of the episode is Old and Alone, if I watched the right one, I guess. And uh, You did. It starts you off. Uh, we've got Carl and Harriet, and they're getting home from, it looks like grocery shopping, some kind of shopping. And yeah. um, we've got Sad Laura sitting there in the kitchen. Sad Laura, back. She's back. Uh, we find out it's her 15th birthday, and she's sad because she cannot find a guy. She wants a dude in her life, and uh, she's got all these birthday cards from family, and Steve Urkel's giving, them, giving her like 20 cards or 17. 17. 17. She's, that's the only guy that has given her cards, and she doesn't count that as getting a card from a guy. And Carl's like looking at the cards. He's like, oh, this one even has his face on it. And she's like, don't open it. And he opens it. And it's like a giant pop-up of Steve Urkel. And it starts like doing the signature Steve Urkel laugh, like the audio right. from it as well. So well done card. Yeah. Nice card. Uh, Saturday theme song. We come back to uh, Richie's blowing up his seventh balloon. I think uh, Judy and Rachel are in there too, maybe blowing up. balloons. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think all the kids except for Eddie and, and, well, just Eddie is not in there. Yeah, and Eddie and Waldo come home at this point. Eddie's talking about how he's dating three chicks at the same time right now. And uh, he also talks about how he needs some money because these dates are getting expensive. And he needs to take uh, Amy to the movies. And uh, with the price of inflation, it's getting real serious. So he asks uh, Waldo if he can borrow <laughs> some money. And then we get a little joke about inflation and how Waldo thinks he's dating a blow-up girl. And he can just like fold her up and take her to the movies. It's, pr- it's pretty funny. It's good. And inflation, you know, inflation is just something that we're all dealing with throughout time. Yeah. 30 years. Hasn't now, whatever. Still there. So just always inflating. Um, Estelle gets home. She doesn't really do anything. She just kind of gets home from some tennis match or something. And then yep. uh, we get a knock at the door and Laura goes and answers it. And it's Daniel Wallace. This is like the cutest boy in the whole school. Have we seen him? Well, in, I know he had dated. He was, he was the original Romeo in the Romeo and Juliet episode before. Uh, same character. Same name. Same guy, same character, same everything. Um, he was in an earlier episode, I believe, as a different character, but but he has been, this is the second time as Daniel Wallace. So she sees Daniel. She closes the door because she needs to celebrate without him seeing it, lets him in, and then uh, starts talking to Laura. He's got a present for her. Laura's trying to like mm-hmm. get the rest of the family to like leave, go in the kitchen, which they do. And uh, then she opens the presents. Whoa, I can't remember what it was. It was a CD. It was That's a CD right. for from Stinky E and the Toxic Wasters. Who she loves, or at least she says loves she loves. Him. I'm sure she loves him. Um, and then she's like, you want anything to drink? He's like, oh, I'd love you to get me a soda or something. So she goes off already. She's in the kitchen going to get Daniel a soda, which gives the chance for Steve Urkel to show up. And uh, he has come over already showing Daniel up with a dolly full of presents. I mean, it's it's what, 25 gifts probably? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So, of course, Steve's upset to see Daniel there. He thinks uh, he is Laura's one and only man. And uh, they have a conversation. And eventually, um, Steve comes up with the plan that he is going to scare off Daniel by telling Daniel that Laura has a real bad contagious disease and uh, is going to pass it on to Daniel. Well, 
And before that, though, Daniel says something that I think is worth worth bringing up because D- Urkel's talking about how Laura is his girl. Daniel's like, well, I get what I want. And if I want her, I'm going to I'm going to get her. And then he's like, don't worry, though, I'll give her back to you when I'm bored with her. Oh, yeah. you know, implying that like he has no real interest in like having a relationship with her. He just wants to you know, date her for you know a brief time before he before he dumps her. And that's when Urkel comes up with this whole idea of saying, well, Laura's got mucus, mucus nasalosis inflammicus, I think is the name of it. That's what Sounds I wrote down. Good. Yep. So, yeah, he scares Daniel out. Daniel leaves. Laura comes back out of the kitchen, finds no Daniel, finds Urkel. And Steve eventually tells her uh, what happened, that uh, he scared him away at this disease thing. Laura kicks Steve Urkel out of the house and once again tells him to never come back. And this time she really means it. She's really upset. And, and I'm a little torn here. There's there's really two ways to look at this in the sense that, A, look, Urkel shouldn't do that, right? Urkel shouldn't he be telling. He's he spreading lied. rumors about Laura, which could now turn into even more problems down the road. All true. But there is the fact that 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 Daniel said what he said in the sense that I'm here to just yeah. pretty much use Laura and then get rid of her. I do which, feel like Steve Urkel would have said the same thing no matter if he said that or not, though. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree 100%. But but he did say that. And I think that that makes, gives Urkel a little bit of some redeeming quality in his actions here, whereas it's not a just totally horrible thing to do, even as a as a friend. Yeah, and Steve, Steve does know about Daniel because uh, Daniel and I think what Maxine dated Maxine, at some point, and he briefly, kind of yeah. pulled these shenanigans to Maxine at the same time. Right, right. All right. And that, that comes back up a little bit later in the, in the episode. Yeah, so then we go to uh, Sad Laura. She's in her room now. She's sitting in her window. Um, her mom comes in, tries to talk to her, asks how Steve's doing. And then uh, Laura opens up the window and you hear just pathetic Steve Urkel. Just crying. Just like crying and begging. And uh, her mom's almost more concerned about Steve than she is about Laura at this point, it seems like. Uh, yeah. I don't know All the questions about are about Steve. She's like, well, how's Steve doing? I think you let him on. A little. It was a little too rough on him and stuff like that. Well, there's know. a moral. Like, Harry is trying to kind of convey this moral to Laura of, like, you can't just like push people out of your life, you know, that's going to lead to you just being lonely. And, and also you got to think about it from, from Harriet as a, as a just human being perspective of she's trying to go to sleep and there's a 15 year old kid wailing outside of her house yeah, you know, at all hours of the night. I so. mean, it seems like their windows work pretty good though. I mean, you don't hear them when the windows closed. True. Maybe they like to sleep with the windows open. I mean, we know that Urkel just kind of randomly wanders into the room. So yeah. And you mentioned it, but I think you missed a key word in here where um, Harriet does tell, Laura that not to push people out of life because out of your life because if you do you will end up old and alone old and alone you're correct and that's where we go into this dream sequence Laura is now asleep she has I mean considered a nightmare if you want to and uh she wakes up I guess kind of wakes up she's wake she wakes up but she's still but she's actually dreaming and she is now old she's got gray hair she's got a big booty she's got um Something Wrinkles. I love about, about TGIF writers is that old women to them equal big butt because like when when um uh, oh my god my, my mind just went blank when Rebecca was old in the Full House episode uh-huh. she had a big butt when any of the women are, are in this part are old they have big like old women to TGIF writers equals giant butts. <laughs> um. So yeah, she looks at herself in the mirror. And screams after seeing that she's now old and something has happened. But we know she's dreaming. Yep. So we then go downstairs. Um, old Laura comes down. Uh, her old parents come in. We find out that Laura is now 90. Her parents are 110, which means... That trips me out so much. Yeah, that they were only 20 when they had her, I guess. Right? They were... So So they're 30... So they're... Yeah, they were 20 when they had her. If she's um, 15... but. Those characters are supposed to be 35 years old right now. I, me, me and you, we're both 39. You're 39, right? Are you 38? 38, 38. 38. I'm 39. Um, we both look pretty I mean, a lot better than Harriet and uh, Carl. I mean, I like to think so. I like to think so. Yeah. Maybe we're just maybe we're know. just not mature, very mature. I mean, we She's are also in a dream, podcast. so maybe these uh, these ages aren't exactly accurate. Fair enough. 
So, yeah, they're old. Everyone's old. They're all complaining, limping around, things like that. Uh, Judy I don't know and Richie how, are old. Yeah, Judy and Richie come in. They haven't grown at all, but they're just old. And I think someone makes a joke about it at the same time. Well, they do. They ask, why haven't you grown? And, and they say, because they didn't eat their vegetables and they did, they stayed up too late. Which are, you know, the things like your parents tell you, like, you need to eat your vegetables so you'll grow up and be big and strong. You need to go to sleep so you'll so you'll grow up big and strong and they didn't do that so they're not big and strong yeah then uh old steve urkel shows up um he tries to give i think laura a hug like tries to get over to her but he's like super slow and uh she does invite him to sit down on the couch and uh she actually in her dream apologizes for uh i think this is still in the dream right for kicking him out yeah 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 so she apologizes for kicking him out of her life and suggests uh they go on a date is that right? She does. She says, you know, I think it's time that I, that I asked you out on a date. And uh, Steve, being Steve, tries to uh, take it a little further and uh, suggest that uh, they get married, right? No, no, that's not what happens. No. Oh, she no, 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 no. For, that's a different part. Asked, yeah, yeah, yeah. She asks him out on a date and he says, I he can't goes, oh, because. no, like I spent 75 years trying to get you to go on a date with me. And he got married, got married yesterday. That's right. And uh, he and then, calls in his wife, who's like this Lou, young Lou. supermodel yeah. girl. And uh, everyone's sad. Oh, well, I don't know. He's not sad, I guess. But he's uh, not sad. Rachel, Rachel's start realizing that she she messed up. Laura. Laura, thank you. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, Laura. So um, the family comes in, everyone's old, except for Estelle looks exactly the same. They, did, they didn't age her at all, which is hilarious. And she's also still alive and probably 180 at this point. At least. So um, they all, the family comes in with a cake and they're all, they all start to sing happy birthday. Um, and then Laura starts screaming, uh, screaming, no, no. And then it goes back to real time with her in the bed, kind of screaming, like waking up from this nightmare. And Steve comes in. He ends up like actually getting her awake, like taking her out of this dream. And uh, she's excited that she's young again. She is. And uh, she apologizes to Steve. And she's uh, she does say that she's sad about this whole like Daniel Wallace thing, but um, says that she did overreact. And Steve is pretty quick to accept her apology. He is. And I think this is where he then ask her to marry him maybe yeah yeah steve suggests they get married and yeah. then eventually talks it down to can we just have a see you tomorrow which they agree on and uh that's the end of the episode yeah i i was torn like i said about about how mad and how forgiving laura should be but but like i said daniel said what he said to, to urkel which i think is is justifiable for urkel to try to defend laura and there's a lot of conversation throughout this that we kind of didn't really talk about where harriet and urkel both talk about the whole situation with maxine and how laura has like in the past said bad things about Daniel because he, she's like, he just takes advantage of women. He's a, he's, you know, just says bad things about him justifiably. It sounds like. Um, So it's kind of like making her realize that just because he likes her now, doesn't make him a better person. Um, I will say, I thought, I thought uh, Carl and Urkel were, awesome in this episode i thought yeah. they were so good especially like the carl's scene. like when he like walks slash runs to the like counter when they're racing like in the, the first th- scene that whole him. scene that whole scene with him and harriet when they come in as the old carl and the old harriet yeah. was just great it was just so much fun and i think it really it just shows like how good reginald Val johnson is and how good uh jaleel white is as Urkel. it was a really fun episode for me yep so uh, next up, it's Step by Step. This is uh, Season 1, Episode 11. The name of the episode is A Day in the Life. And um, I think it starts off with Karen. She's got a magazine. She's trying to show like the other kids like pictures and shows it to Al and JT and asks if uh, she looks like this model in this page on this paper or in the magazine. But she, she doesn't. It doesn't look anything like her. But they're like, no. I mean, she's got blonde hair and this. And she's like, oh, is that it? And he's... <laughs> I don't know. Just she's convinced that she looks like this model that she really doesn't look like. Yeah. And then Frank comes in and this is what sets up the rest of the episode. Um, Mm. We find out that uh, America up close, this uh, TV show wants to do a story on their family because they're doing a story or they're doing like a series on uh, blended families. And uh, they want to use them in their next episode. And Alan JT, of course, are excited um eventually karen's excited because she realizes this could be exactly what she needs to uh make a break as a model if the whole world sees her on tv yeah and we also find out that this is all going to happen tomorrow tomorrow so So, tv crew's coming 
Um, we go to Carol and Penny in the kitchen. Um, Frank runs in. This is like a continuation after the theme song. After where theme, yeah. He runs in, tell the family that they're going to be on this TV show. Penny's super excited. Carol looks like she doesn't want anything uh, less than this. Like, this is not what she wants. And uh, she tells Frank, you need to cancel this thing. I don't want a TV crew in my house, knowing all my secrets, knowing that we do have a family that fights, that kind of stuff. Get Make this not happen. Right. And she also makes a point, too, that there's still a new family getting used to each other and getting kind of in routine. And this just doesn't seem like it would be conducive to making making that work. Yeah. And Frank's like, you know, I would cancel it, but I can't. And Carol finds out because he already signed a contract and there's no way he can get out of it at this point. (laughs) Yeah, that's weird to me, but okay. Yeah. And Carol just thinks, I mean, like you said, it's a terrible idea. And he thinks that or she thinks that they are going to look like fools on national television. Right. But Frank, Frank does convince her slash promise her slash semi lied to her that he will he will make sure that the family is in good good shape that they behave themselves that they won't be an embarrassment to to each other and of course she doesn't believe this because that's what he's been trying to do the whole season and uh, yeah has had no luck he, so far because we all know his children i mean we, we, and we know her children her children while not as like kind of out there as as his children really don't like uh, yeah they're easily what's the word i'm looking for here it's easy to get them off track and get them kind of riled up about about stuff too. Yeah. So we go a little later to uh, the family all kind of dressed up or getting dressed, getting their ties ready. The crew is about to arrive and they are trying to look their best to be on TV. Yep. Everyone's got like button up shirts and they're putting ties on. So knock at the door. We think it's the TV crew. It turns out just to be Cody who uh, never goes to the front door, but uh, he figured since he did go to the front door, he would knock because, uh, he had never been to the front door before. It's at the front door. Um, Dana shuts the door on him. Carol lets him in. Um, we find out that he got a present for Dana, which was a dictionary. And she's, I don't know, kind of excited because she's got more things to call Cody now. She's not excited. She's like, she's pretty much like, why would you buy me a dictionary? And then uh, the door once again, JT answers it this time. And it is the TV producer. He's there to uh, start the show. He brings in yep. his crew. Roger and Keith. That's his name, Roger Keith. Yep. And uh, he tells them, all you guys have to do is just ignore the cameras, go about your day, everything's going to be fine. And of course, Carol is kind of like freaking out, like nervous. Like, she is freaking out. She's like all over the place and can't talk, can't form a sentence. She's She is freaking out. Uh, Karen comes down. She's uh, wearing a wig, trying to look like that girl in the in the uh, magazine. It appears, and uh, immediately starts playing it up for the cameras. Like, uh, and the cameras seem to like it. They like follow her outdoors. Like all the cameramen, they do. Well, they're all over her because she's an attractive young girl. But um, yeah, she keeps calling Frank Franklin. I don't even know if that's like his. I don't even know if Franklin is his like yeah. real name. Um, but uh, yeah, she's over, she's way overdoing it. They love it. Cameras love it. So we then go to the kitchen. Uh, Carol is kind of talking directly to the cameras while making dinner. Frank uh, is in there and is trying to tell Carol, you're not supposed to, uh, you're supposed to act like the cameras aren't even there. And uh, JT and Dana run in and immediately start fighting for the phone. Yeah, and the cameras immediately zoom in on on them fighting over the phone. Yeah, because like that's what they, they want to see. They want stuff Right, like that. right. That's the conflict. Sure. Uh, we hear a scream from the living room. Um, we go in there, and uh, Karen says that Al stole her scarf. And uh, in Al's defense, she's just using it for her pet pig. <laughs> she just put it on the pig. Yeah, they start fighting some more. We go uh, back to the kitchen where Cody is playing his electric guitar about as loud as he can, singing his uh, famous Dana song. And uh, kids everywhere are just fighting at this point. Yeah, it's just chaos in the house. It's just, both it's the Lamberts versus the versus the. Uh, Fosters. My mind just Fosters. Thank you. So Carol yells. Everyone. Uh, the whole time though, the whole time though, Mark has not shown up this entire episode. Just just to be. Yeah, I know he's in it. There. He's in it, but at this point, it's like all the kids are fighting, all the families out there. It's like mass chaos, and somehow Mark is just like. Have we had there. Brendan yet? Yeah, Brendan's we part have. of this. Okay. Oh, he's down here this one. Okay, so, yeah, she's like, everyone sit down now. Frank, you come with me to the living room now. So everyone sits down. They go to the living room, and she tells him, this, I mean, this is how I said it was going to be. This is not what you promised me. And uh, 
pretty much tells him she, that he's sleeping alone tonight, throws a couple pillows at him, and uh, she is mad at this point. Yeah, this is a blow-up fight. She's not talking to him. It's it's This is bad. This is real bad. Yeah, so uh, from here we go, I guess, to the next morning. It's breakfast next time. Morning, yeah. um, Carol is uh, mad at Frank still. The kids are trying to figure out why their parents are upset. And uh, Dana has a plan, and she wants to do a family kids meeting 2 p.m. at the beauty shop. Yeah, and, and part of this whole process is the kids are coming in, and, I, and in fairness, they're being kids. They're like, I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that. But everybody is at such high tension that Carol is just kind of like can't handle it. Frank can't handle it. So they're they're being really snappy to the kids. They're being snappy to the – I mean, they're obviously fighting with each other. Not Carol's not talking to Frank, but – there, there's just this kind of like boiling point of stuff that blows up here. And that's when Dana says, kids, we need to let's let's pull together at two o'clock. All right. So uh, we then go to this kid meeting uh, in the beauty shop and Dana says, Mark, Mark shows up. Mark decides to come out of his room. <laughs> um, Dana's like, uh, you know, what we have to do is we have to come off as the perfect blended family. We have to uh, play it up, make it look like we are perfect and uh, it'll help mom and dad. Uh, I guess yeah. not. I, they they want to do this is because they're not getting the things they want, right? No, 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 no. I think that they are legitimately concerned that Carol and Frank are fighting, and it's it's just it's not a. But good are situation. they though? Because I feel like Al is like, isn't this what we want? Like we want them. To well, break she does up. say that, but but Dana does say that they are fighting, but not enough to get a divorce, just enough to be like to make their lives create, miserable is what she to said. make lives miserable. Yeah, to make everybody's lives miserable. All right, so then we go to uh, Cody and Frank. They're talking in the kitchen. Frank tells Cody that uh, Carol isn't talking to him. And then uh, Cody leaves, and Frank tries to talk to her. She's, like, in there, too, just ignoring him, not saying anything, like giving uh, Cody breakfast, I think. Talking to Cody, but not Frank. Yeah, and then Karen and Al come in, and they're being, like, super nice to each other in front of the cameras, and the parents are like, what's going on here? Yeah, Karen took Al shopping, and and Al's like, this is great. Thank you so much. I Yeah, you look so beautiful, things like that. And then uh, Carol goes in the living room and sees – all the kids being good, like playing Monopoly. I think Dana, JT, maybe Karen and Al are playing Monopoly with them at this point. Um, I think Karen definitely. Yeah, but they're all being like super like nice and like doing exact like uh, like congratulating each other on their roles and stuff like that. And uh, this is where we get more uh, Mark as we see him and Brendan playing video games together. They end up yep. walking out like through the kitchen and outside, I think. And then Frank and Carol follow them and uh try to find out what's up and uh i think mark does mark kind of tell him right away mark cracks well not right away so first of they're both pretty strong and they're like we're not we're not talking you can't get us to talk oh yeah and then carol takes away the video game and that's when mark mark breaks and brendan is really ashamed that mark broke well it goes back and forth here too like it goes from them in the kitchen back to the living room where they're still playing monopoly but then we see jt starts to cheat at monopoly then we go back to the kitchen but they're but when he cheats they're all they're all trying to be really nice like JT, I think that you miscounted. I think you, you went really five spaces, but you should have gone six spaces, which would have right. led you on the go-to-jail spot. And he's like, right. oh, no, I don't think I did. But uh, then we go to back to Mark. That's where he starts telling them the plan. And uh, Carol and Frank talk about um, the kids pretending to like each other, and she wants them to really like each other. Like, this is not what she wants. She doesn't want everyone to just fake it. She wants everyone to actually like each other. Frank apologizes for everything that he's done in the episode. She forgives him. They kiss. They go into the living room. Um, and then is this everyone's where throwing crazy? everything at each other. Yeah, yeah. Kid, they're throwing the game at each other, throwing food at each other. Money just is just like flying like from the ceiling, fight. it seems like. Um, and then Carol and Frank uh, joke about, I think this is kind of like the very end of the episode too. Like they just kind of joke is. about how they're going to have to live this moment over and over again watching it on television and then yeah no, no, that's kind of it that's it i you know i thought I, I know this won't happen but i thought it would be kind of cool if like end of the season or, or sometime middle of next season they have an episode where they actually have the like footage put together as though it was the airing of what is it come together america or whatever the show is called uh and it's like something like that and the family's like watching it and and it's kind of the story is somehow like written around them watching the actual episode put together Yep, so uh, next up, it's Perfect Strangers, Season 7, Episode 10. It's Dimitri's World, and after the theme, we start at the Chronicle in this episode. 
Mr. Wainwright's looking for Balky, uh, and he wants to tell Balky that he likes this cartoon that he's been doing for like the newsletter, Dimitri's World, and he actually wants to try to use it for the Chronicle and the Sunday uh, comics or whatever. See yeah, the Sunday Kid section. That's a big deal. That's yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. So Balky, of course, is excited. He thinks it's awesome, and he tells... Um, uh, what a... He, he's into it, and, and but oh, Mr. Wainwright Wainwright's says, like, you're, yeah. you're going to illustrate it, but I need someone to team up with you to write it. And Larry, he just hears, like, write it from, like, the other room, and he's like, oh, I'll do it, like, not even knowing what he's volunteering for. He's, he's like, like, I've got a whole portfolio I can show you if you need me to. Yeah, and uh, he tells him that he can do it, and then eventually Larry realizes what he's volunteered for and is not very happy. He thinks it's kind of like a downgrade trying to... Uh, right for a comic but Balky is even more excited now that he knows that he gets to team up with Larry to do this and uh Lydia I think comes in and he's she's like it might seem like a downgrade but think of how much of a gold mine this could be like you're gonna have all the merch kids are gonna love it and this of course anything with the words money lights up uh Larry's interest and he is now on board yeah, I mean, she goes through the whole spiel of like this could be coloring books and stuffed animals and cartoon. Like this is this is a cash cow if you play it right. And obviously, we all know that like those are she's right. This could be a cash cow if he does it right. Yeah, for sure. So we go back to um, Larry and Balky's house. Uh, Balky's drawing his comic. Larry comes in, and Larry, of course, being Larry, is already trying to uh, change things up. He says that they need to decide on a basic concept. And um, Balky's like, well, I want uh, Dimitri to be sweet and kind and cuddly. And Larry's like, well, that's not what today's kids want. Today's kids want a sheep that's doing everything that they want to do, but they can't do. They pretty much just want a four-legged Bart Simpson. Yeah, they want a sheep that's going to skip school and, and just be a bad a bad boy, a rebel. Yeah, so... Um, that's, of course, not what Balky wants. No, uh, Balky won't do it. He's got his own like uh i don't know views of dimitri and what he should be and then larry tells him well if you don't want to do it then i'm out and uh i'll just do the comic myself or no, no, i have no. it a little larry, mixed up. larry says if, if balky doesn't want to do that then balky is out and that larry will do it himself larry basically fires balky from this whole comic project that balky started um even though Larry has, like, no authority to fire Balky from the project at all. Yeah, so Larry's like, I can draw the sheep. Like, no no it's problem. I'll take it over. Yeah. So then we go to the Chronicle. Larry is drawing. He They zoom out to show that he's crumbled up, like, 85 pieces of paper trying to draw this comic. And uh, Balky comes in. Larry, or er, Balky's like ignoring Larry. Wainwright comes down. Well, he's and- also, like, looking over his shoulder and, like, laughing at how bad of a job he's doing and... and- he's just kind of giving him a hard time yeah Wainwright comes down to like check on the progress of the comic and Larry's like oh yeah it's perfect like we're gonna be ready in no time and like Wainwright's like all right well we'll push it up a week like have it to me tomorrow morning and uh, we'll get it in this Sunday's paper and now Larry's like "Uh uh-oh I'm in trouble here yep I can't do that um so Balky's giving him a hard time saying uh that there's no way that they can do it is that He's telling him that there's no way that that Larry can do it, and that that's where they kind of Larry's like realizing it and starts like apologizing to Balky, like pretty hardcore, like begging him to come back on board. And that's when kind of when Balky tells this story of Dimitri and where he got the 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 inspiration for Dimitri, which was that Dimitri was a part of Balky's flock back on Mepos, um, and he was the kindest, fluffiest, nicest you know sheep in the flock. And that one day they were crossing the road and there was a there was a cart coming and they couldn't get out of the way. So Dimitri pushed Balky out of the way, saving his life. But he was hit by the cart and Balky fortunately was unable to save Dimitri. But Balky did save his wool. And that is what the stuffed Dimitri that Balky carries with him is made out of. And that is the inspiration for the Dimitri's World cartoon. Yeah, I'm glad you wrote all that down because I didn't. But I know. I don't know if you said this or not, but they agree. Well, this is what Larry says that maybe Dimitri will just have a tough exterior with a heart of gold. Yeah. And I, th- I still think the package like, well, no, whatever. It doesn't matter. 
Um, you said that. You said that. Uh, is that kind of the end of that scene? Well, and the way this scene ends is that Larry's like, "All right, well, let's let's come, let's go ahead, and let's get this done." And and Balky, he's like, "Balky, just go and, and do a sketch, and when you're ready, let me know, and we'll we'll get it all together." Oh yeah, and like before um, he's maybe, even he's like, done, and maybe we'll ask for an extension. Maybe Bal- Wayne Wright will give us some more time. And Balky the whole time has got like lifted up the paper, the paper, and is sketching while Balky or while Larry is talking. And by the time Larry's done talking, Balky rips up the paper and says, "Here you go." And he's got a four pay, four panel comic already done that he hands to to Larry to fill in the bubbles, the yep. googles. So then we go a little later. Um, Larry's in a suit. They're at the Chronicle. Balky is uh, waiting for this meeting with Mister Wainwright, and uh, they're upstairs now. This is like the place where people they get are fired. They're freaking out. And uh, Wainwright comes in and tells them that everyone loves Dimitri. Um, it's a great success, and he's even gonna. Um, Put it in the paper every Sunday, I think. Yep, he must run it every week. And not only that. Not only that, uh, Wainwright tells Balky he is making him the editor of the Sunday Children's page, which is a yeah. huge promotion from the mailroom for him. He basically says, you're innocent, you have a childlike mind, you'd be perfect for managing the children's section of the newspaper. Yeah, and Larry, of course, is a little jealous, but he does congratulate uh, Balky on his promotion. Uh, Sam's kind of in the background, like, listening in on this whole thing, too. Like, shocked, spilled, spills, like, a whole thing of coffee on the ground when he hears that Balky gets a promotion. Yeah, and then eventually, Wainwright also promotes Larry. And well, makes- before that... And I don't know why Larry decides that this is necessary, but as Larry is like leaving, he's like kind of like backing out of the room. He's like, I'm going to go back down to the basement. He he like insults Wainwright to his face. He's like, you'll never appreciate me. You're, you can't even see what's right in front of your eyes or something like that. Uh, and then that's when Wainwright promotes him. Yeah, he makes uh, Larry the new editorial writer. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Correct. Um, and then Wainwright... Oh, this is where like Wainwright gets mad, a little mad at Sam, right? Like he's like, well, I, I know right. that Larry, I know that Balky's been doing your work and his work. And now that he's promoted here, now you can do your work and Balky's old work, right? Right, exactly. So uh, Larry asks Balky um, if now's a good time to do the Dance of Joy, which they do. And that's how we end off the episode with the Dance of Joy. Right. And as part of the promotion, they both get new desk on this other floor oh, yeah. higher in the building. So I'm curious if we will see the mailroom again or if now we've got it, you know, we no longer yeah. see the apartment. We've got the house, maybe no longer see the mailroom. We've got this new workspace somewhere else in the Chronicle. I don't know if they're trying to like, well, I guess with the apartment to the house, that's been a, like a bigger space, but maybe they're trying to downsize the Chronicle and start using that space for another set. I, don't I, know. I, I don't hope know. we at least get a check in on Sam to see if he's doing a good job with the mail. Ooh, maybe maybe we'll get some a check in there. Maybe we'll get some more mortal insight into the Sam Gorpley Lydia relationship. I don't know. There's yeah, a lot. It of, seems like of, they kind of dropped that this episode. Well, I dropped. I don't know if they ever actually picked it up beyond the like 30 seconds from the one episode. Yeah, a couple should episodes be interesting. ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, to end off the week, we've got uh, Baby Talk Season 2, Episode 10. The name of the episode is Jingle Fever. Um, it starts off, we've got uh, Mickey and some other baby playing uh, kid musical instruments. This other kid's just gross, like chewing on the microphone the whole time. And it made, <laughs> me, made, me, made me uncomfortable. I, it didn't make me uncomfortable. What I noticed was I was really impressed with how well the Mickey actors um, took to the to the toy saxophone. Like somebody clearly showed yeah. them how to play that. And especially like, I got this. the ending credits too. Like Mickey does a really good job like pretending to play yeah. these instruments. That's what I that's what I picked up on. I, I mostly picked up on the other kid just being a gross kid. <laughs> All kids are gross. All right. So after the theme song, we come to uh, Mickey's grandma feeding him in the kitchen. Uh, Doris. James comes over. Uh, Doris got James a uh, a songwriting gig. That's how we're kind of setting up this episode. Um, Yeah, she's in some group. I think it's like a singing like club, not like a singing performance group. But like she's going to be in Oklahoma, which she tells us a few times in this episode. Oh, and I meant to say that, and that is the second time we've heard a reference to Oklahoma this week because there was a reference to Oklahoma in Perfect Strangers as well. It was just like a one off kind of unimportant reference, but they they do reference Oklahoma twice this week. Uh, in TJF. Uh, we find out that this uh, songwriting gig is actually going to be writing jingles. That's what um, he, James is going to be doing. James unsure about it at first, but then he's like, all right, well, maybe I can do this. And uh, we do find out that the job's going to start right away. They could have just hired Joey and Joey and Jesse, but... <laughs> yeah, could have. Um, be a good crossover episode if, like, uh, 
they need some help writing another jingle or something. But Trust anyways, me, the baby talk at the baby talk team reached out to the full house team and says, Hey, do you want to do a crossover to episode? The full house team would be like, who are you? What is baby? Talk? What, are, what are you talking what about? What channel are you on? <laughs> so, uh, then we go to Maggie and Anita. They're clipping some coupons and, uh, James gets back and I, they say he got the job, right? I, I wrote down he got the job right away, but I thought he kind of already had the job. Well, he had to go. He had to go in for an audition, and so this is him coming back from the audition. Saying yeah, and he's like, great. Joke, he's like joking, Got like uh, about how they didn't think he was very serious or anything. But that's exactly what they wanted for a jingle writer, or something. Yeah, he kind of tries to play it like he didn't get the job, but pretty quickly tells him that he did. Yep. Yeah, so then we go to the studio where. Uh, James- well, there's also something else here that he says that I think is important is that they kind of he says like when, with this new money that I'm going to get, I'm going to hire a singer uh to re-record all my songs because they told me at the studio that the worst thing you can do is be is sing your own songs and he's like and i he's like i agree i i need to get a new singer to to re-record these so and then we then we go to the studio yep um we're in the studio we're watching um james's jingle it's a it's about gum like chewing gum and uh, right. james is in like the production room and on the other side of the glass we've got this uh, girl who we find out her name later is Susie. She's, There's also uh, Bill, and I just and the only reason I bring up Bill is because the actor that played Bill was also in the episode of Full House, the the Rock the Cradle episode, where um, Becky tries to tell Jesse that she's pregnant and just can't can't get it out. Um, but he was he was a, a waiter in that episode. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, I mean, Bill doesn't have much of a role for. Not I don't think he needs to even be in that room, really. But uh, not really, no. People are um, respecting James, though, and he likes it. Like, he's telling them, like, things to do and, like, mm-hmm. uh, to put some more keyboard in there or, like, lower your octave a little bit. And uh, everyone's yeah. listening. They're respecting his opinions. And it looks like this is going really well. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in here that really don't do a whole lot for the story. Like, there's a character that comes in here, Irma, and she's kind of the woman in charge. And she's, like, telling people what to do. She's real intense. But she works really well with with James, and like, the, there's no conflict there at all. And they, they, I guess she brings a jingle. little bit of comedy to the scene, kind of, and maybe that's yeah, why. I guess it just it's it's a weird. There's a lot of weird, like I don't know. That character doesn't do a whole lot except show up. Yeah, and so. then she quickly leaves because she says, "Oh, I got to go to this other job. Something's crazy's going yep. on over in the other studio. So let me run over there." So uh, she leaves, and um, the singer Susie um, comes in and is like really complimenting James, like telling well. Him, also, what's happened at this point is Maggie and Mickey have shown up because they the plan was that, that James was going to leave and go to lunch with them. Um, and that's when Susie comes in, kind of starts flirting. I don't know about flirt. I, she, she's really showing a lot of attention to James. Yeah, and Maggie's getting jealous. You can see it right away. She, she doesn't yep. really like it. And uh, Susie's like, well, James, can't you just stay till the end of the session? Which I don't understand why he would have left anyways. Like, That was weird to me, too. That was weird to me, too. But um, Maggie ends up waiting for James, and it takes a long time. There's just scenes of her like pretty much falling asleep on the uh, on the bench, waiting for them to finish up. But um, James, I think, goes into the studio to talk to Susie. They come back out, and we find out that they are going out tonight on a little date or something. Yeah, it's clear that this has gone far past lunch, and that everybody's just tired. There's a weird thing that happens here, though, that I would love to have more context on, even though we never will. Is that when they wrap up at the actual recording part of this scene, um, Irma, the 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 kind of the woman in charge I talked about, she takes a no smoking sign off of the recording studio, like the recording panel, puts it in her purse, and walks out the door. And I'm I didn't like, catch that at all. I'm like, a like, does it? She just bring her own no smoking sign to recording stu- <laughs> like sessions, so that like she knows that if you're around me, no smoking, and then she takes it with her. And be like, why? Like, why is that? Why is that necessary for this show? What? What is? I mean, you don't want your microphone smelling like smoke. Hey, look, I get that. I get that people. I totally get that, that foam. Why, the foam absorbs it pretty much. I get it. I totally understand that. But why do they have this character do that? Like, why does she? Or, or was this just the actors being like, all right, look, I'm going to take the sign, stick it in my purse, and just play it off like it's part of the scene. It'll be genius. And have, 
and have a have a souvenir from recording today. It was so weird. It was so strange. Do we also kind of find out here that Susie's coming over to uh, to sing with James, like one of his songs? Like that's kind of. The I plan. think they do talk about it. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I think I don't know if they tell to talk about her coming over. They just talk about how she's going to sing on the record, and I think that we then cut to her coming over to, to practice. Yeah. So we're in the uh, hallway of the apartment, and uh, Maggie and her mom are there. Oh, I'm sorry. I know that I've done this before. The the other thing too is that Maggie. Uh, talks pretty badly about about Susie while James is talking to her in the recording area. Oh, this is here too. But the mic's on in the production part so so they can hear Maggie talking about Susie and of course Susie you know, isn't Maggie with that, says something also, about like her shirt being too tight and like wondering yeah, I hope, for I hope chest she has circulation in her, in her chest or something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in the apartment hallway, Maggie and her mom are there. Susie comes in. Maggie's like, oh, that's her. And then, uh, she goes up to see James and then Susie's there and she's singing for James's recording. So this is like the song that James has wrote. He's got his studio in his apartment and she's uh, starting to sing some of the uh, lines from the song and kind of flirting with James at the same time while she's doing it. She is. And actually, this is where we hear Oklahoma. Oh, never mind. We already talked about that. Um, this song, though, it was awful. Like the name of the, like, <laughs> this song is the best song. And all I could think of is it just sounded like they were singing about Candyland, the game. Like it sounded like the lyrics were about James playing Candyland. Uh, do you want me to play a little bit of it? Yeah, you got to play right. it. Yeah, I'll play it right here. The dream ahead was a little bizarre. It had polka dotted moons and triangular stars, edible trees and chocolate fountains. Yeah, I mean the train. I don't know. It's Go, the the train is the other the other song. We don't we're not there yet. This is the one about that was the mountain and like going through the like candy. This song was so bad. I don't know. Yeah. So is this is not the same song that uh, is sung not later th- in the episode? Different song. Okay. Different song. So um, yeah, and then they start flirting some more, and uh, she's like, "Before we go any further, I got to tell you that." I've got a thing for dark, handsome songwriters. And then they start. And, James, and then they start. James dancing. says, luckily, I'm a dark, handsome songwriter. Uh, songwriter. Yeah. And then they start making out in the, in the apartment. So uh, we got out. this going on. So we then go to a, a quick little scene at the park, which I don't really find that necessary. But uh, Mickey and Maggie, and, or I guess we go back and forth at the park a few times here. So Mickey, Maggie, and Doris are at the park, and they're talking about James. That's kind of what I tell you. My favorite thing about this 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 scene at the park. What is it? It was the random guy in the back playing with those like are they called devil sticks? Is that what they are? The the where you have like oh. the two sticks, and then the one in the middle where you're just like spinning it around. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. There's just like a guy in the back just doing that for. Again, no reason. Just why? Why did you have that guy back there? Maybe he was. Well, this is probably indoors. This is an actual park outside. They're in a studio, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so it's not like they were like. Did... It's not like they were at a park and they saw a guy in the park. Hey, you should no. be in this scene. It's like they brought no. this guy in to the studio to play with devil sticks in the background. The extras there were clearly like three extras standing in a line, and they're decided that they're just going to put this incredibly distracting you, thing. You, you, and you. Wait a minute. Can you? Do you have any special talents? Oh, I can play devil sticks. Oh yeah, perfect. I don't even know if that's what they're called, but it was so distracting to throw it. Like, why not just have like two dudes juggling behind them? It, it was crazy. Uh, at least some like chess in the park or something. Something that's that actually happens in the park. Yeah. And that's not even, that's not distracting. It's too, you know, it's slow. It's it's, metho- it's not a guy tossing around a, a random stick. So then we go, um, is this James's apartment or is this James's friend's apartment that we go to? James's apartment, Warren, Warren has come over. Warren's over and uh, James is telling Warren about Susie and tells him, uh, yeah, we kissed, but it didn't go any further than that, which kind of upsets Warren a little bit. Yes, it does. Because, well, I guess we kind of come back and get more. Yeah, of so we go Warren back to the story. park first. Yeah. Um, Doris is uh, calling Maggie lovesick at this point and saying that... Um, she knows that she's got some feelings for James kind of. And Maggie's like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe sometimes I think of James that way is what she says. Yep. And then we get another conversation with Mickey talking to a baby named Max and Mickey and Max, or well, I guess Max specifically uh, brings up his concerns about the economy as well. So that, that bled over from, from family matters. 
So back to James and Warren, and Warren suggesting um, that James might be holding out for Maggie. Like, he kind of sees it too, and James is like, well, Maggie's not interested in me, so I'm not really trying to pursue that. Right, right, right. And then we go back to the park one more time. Uh, Maggie is telling uh, her mom that uh, her and James have never even been on a date, that it's not going anywhere. Didn't they go on a date? I thought they did go on a date. they did too, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. But uh, it's time to leave the park. So they all get ready, get their stuff, get out of there. So then one more scene back to uh, James and Warren, and he's telling uh, James that, uh, oh, no, I think – Warren's telling You're James right. that he needs yeah. to move on if he can't have Maggie. And James is like, uh, all right, well, I'm going to go after Susie then. Well, the other thing that Warren says here is like, he's like, look, I live vicariously through you. If you are going to settle down, you need to either A, settle down if that's what you want to do, or B, not like get over it because you're ruining my life by not letting me live through your dating multiple women. So that's, and that's when, that's when James says, all right, fine, I'll, I'll get over it and try it again with Susie. All right, so now we've got James and Susie uh, back at the apartment again. Now, is this that same song she was singing earlier, or is this a different? This is a different song. This okay. is the train song. Okay. Also, which horrible, I was hoping, I was right? really hoping. To, what's that? Also horrible. Also horrible. I was really hoping that there would be more verses that had like something to do with with Monopoly, so we could get like this trend that all of James's songs are just about board games. But unfortunately, that's not the case. All right, so she's singing again. He goes over. He, like, hits pause on the keyboard or something, and he's like, all right, let's do something else first. Let me grab this champagne out of the fridge. Let's uh, make out a little bit. They start kissing. They move over to the couch. Um, She ends up laying on, like, a rubber ducky squeaker toy of Mickey's, and he's like, oh, that's Mickey's. That's that kid that I babysit. Remember him and his mom were at the studio the other day? And then he kind of stops all of his uh, making out and everything with uh, with Susie, and he's like, I can't do this. Um, can't get her out of my mind. He's just too distracted by the thought of, of Mickey and, and uh, Maggie. Yeah, and then she's like, well, fine. You just lost a singer, and then leave, leaves the apartment. Yep, she's out. Uh, back to the studio once again. Uh, Maggie's there again. James tells Maggie that uh, Susie was uh, hitting on him, and uh, that's why she's gone. And then uh, she's like, well, what's the real reason? And then uh, James is like, I'm crazy about you, Maggie. And she's like, that's okay, because I'm crazy about you too, James. And then they get cut off by the producer, um, who wants uh, the singing to continue. They go into the studio, and it's not Susie. It's Maggie's mom, who was pretty awful at singing, I think. She's not great. They think she's great. The other thing here is, so they both said they're crazy about each other. And while they were cut off by the producer, there's literally zero reaction from either of these two people. They're shocked. Like, they both of them feel this way. Then act shocked. Like then, then Scott Bayo and the, the woman who plays Mac act shocked. Don't just act like nobody said anything. Like neither of them. I'm okay have, with the acting here. I'm not at all. And there's literally, they might as well have just the, this is the, the problem with this show is that they get these buildups. They get these, like there's this, pushing this pole and it's like meh uh, okay that's it we're, we're getting somewhere now we really are we're, we're hopefully this is progress but i bet you next episode they're gonna pretend like it never even happened so and ba- not in a not in a storyline way back to the like, song real that quick. never happened we got to get back to this song so this is the train okay. song again right train song and like the last two minutes of this episode is maggie's mom singing the entire song like we have to hear all of it like it's not like a five <laughs> second clip like it's all of it it's not great It's it's James's song. He wrote it. Maggie and James are excitedly watching from the uh, other room. And uh, the episode ends as Doris finishes this song. And we're left like wondering, what does this mean for Maggie and James? Why did they put us through this episode? (laughs) So that's it. Uh, That's the end of the episode. We do have a scene after the credits where the gross baby's chewing on the guitar. Yeah, it's it's another white screen with the kids. With the Gross kids Baby's chewing. now chewing on Mickey's guitar, which he had earlier, and Mickey's now singing into the chewed on microphone that the uh, other kid gnawed on for thirty seconds. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, yeah, like you pointed out, though, Mickey doing a great job pretending to sing in this microphone, though. That kid's a natural. Like he, it's a shame that he got stuck on this show because he could. What does been, he do after Baby Talk? Nothing. I don't know. They're, they're, it's twins. It's two of them. They could have been big. They yeah. could have been big. 
they I'm gonna see if they're... they don't become the twins on Full House or anything like that. No, they'd be too old. Uh, no, they're too old to be to be Nikki and whatever the other kid's name is. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking them up right now. We looked up Ryan. Ryan and Paul Jessup are the names of the the actors. They later changed um, their names to Matt Damon and. <laughs> it looks like they play themselves, and what? on a on a this is your life a tv series documentary great like let's do a story uh, on acting twins uh i mean essentially yeah that's what it looks like they, it looks like they were probably on the show to talk about how they were on baby talk 10 years before the show aired uh why would anybody go back and try to find the twins from baby talk except for us <laughs> like there's only one of them's on that show too uh anyways all, all right, right let's wrap it up that's what happens um what else we got what's going on these in order are we gonna put these in order rank them sure baby talk number one (laughs) okay what what about the rest of uh no i'm gonna put baby talk at two i think though i'm glad we're getting some of these characters uh what is my favorite episode this week i didn't love family matters or baby talk one keeping it there baby talk one uh love the singing it was great I, i love to hear james's writing about trains uh Number two, we'll go Family Matters for the reason that you said with the uh, old Carl uh, through the kitchen. It's pretty good. And then we'll go step-by-step step three, Perfect Strangers four. Okay. I have a vastly different take than you do. Um, so Baby Talk at four Don't for me. Step-by-step step at three, Perfect Strangers at two, and Family Matters at one. Okay. Why Perfect Strangers so high? Just curious about that. Because it was, because I really like when they do episodes that actually like are about advance the characters, the characters that, kind of. I do, yes, yes, because I love the. I think that they are great characters, and I and I, I really enjoy the show when they write for the characters and not just. Write. Jennifer and Marianne had the week off. Fine with that. Okay. I liked it. I thought it was good, and I and I liked it. I liked that it was like it was good conflict between Balky and Larry, but it wasn't like annoying or like overly. It was believable. It was story driven. It was about the characters. I thought it was a good episode. Kind of like Baby Talk with uh, James and uh, Maggie advancing their characters. They did. I just have been let down by that. I'm just idea trying to before. talk you up to number three. You're not. It's not going to happen. The songs were so, like, how am I supposed to believe that James is a serious musician after hearing his what his songs sound like? Ugh. I kind of want to like. Uh, I'm confused about the no smoking sign. Like, what did that have to do with anything? I kind of want to not so uh, many... put a Venus theme song in the end of the episode and just end it with the two and a half minutes of <laughs> Maggie's mom be, singing think, this episode. I think Abina will be okay with that. Put it, put it at the end. Uh, right. let, let's let's go out with with uh, Doris singing the song about trains. <laughs> do you think anyone will sit through this like two minutes of the entire song? Yes, you I do. think all of our fan. I think all of our fans will appreciate yeah. it. Let us know yeah. if you uh, if you listen to the entire thing through the end. Uh, send us a message on like Twitter or something, or <laughs> tag us on something, and said, "Geez, that was awesome," or whatever. However, you felt about it. <laughs> yeah. What about Jeez, next week? Full, full week. Awesome. Next week? No, we don't have a full week, so we've got. Uh, I'm not watching three dinosaurs. Episodes. I need a break. Come on, man! One episode of dinosaurs. So, Family Matters season three, episode twelve. Step by step, season one, episode twelve. Perfect Strangers season seven, episode eleven. No new baby talk. We've got holidays to like take. So we got plenty of time to watch an extra episode of dinosaurs. Let's do it. Come on. Mm, I've been looking forward to a short week for a long time. Well, there's the summer coming up. You said summer. Uh huh. How many more episodes of Dinosaurs do we have to get through? A I don't lot. Even know, man. Is it like 20? It is. A, it, no, I think. Hold on. Hold on. I'll bring it up. Dinosaurs. I can't spell anything. Uh, let's see. We are on season two of Dinosaurs. Let's see. So, huh. Um, where did we leave off? Switch to birth. We watched that. Refrigerator day. Watched that. Sexual hair is red. Okay. So power erupts. That's where we are. Uh, so one, two, three, four, five, six. We only got six episodes. Six or six episodes left before. I mean, we've got six episodes to catch up to where they pick up on TGI. All right. Let's watch one. I mean, I, I was actually leaning the other way. I was actually saying, let, let's, let's take, take a break. break. And, and let's let's we can we have plenty of time I think to squeeze those six episodes in. We've got we might a week. we might need it where there's weeks of like nothing. 
I mean, we've got a week at the end of the year where there's nothing. I was hoping we could find an interview there, but we've got, I think we've got plenty of time. I still so want let's, an interview there. We can do that. Let's, let's go ahead and take a break, uh, do the three episodes, and then we'll, we'll find times for these six other. These we'll get them done. Dinosaurs. Yep, we'll get them done. Um, I should probably go let my five-year-old out of her room. I've had her locked in there for an hour now. For five years. My wife texted me and said, can you help me? And I said, no, we're, I'm recording an episode. <laughs> So, all right. Anything else to wrap it up? Go check us out on all social media. TJFcast. You got that. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Uh, all that fun stuff. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? <laughs> Let's close it out with uh, with Doris. Thanks, Doris. Have a good week, Steve. You got it, dude. Podcast.